chaos, shouting and gunfire. Corridors filled with dust and smoke. That's what's emerged in pictures from an Israeli raid on the Nazar Hospital in Khan Yunus, the largest hospital in southern Gaza. Israel claims it has captured dozens of terror suspects. Hamas says that claim is not true. Joining us from Jerusalem is the UN's coordinator for Palestine, Jamie McGoldrick. First, Jamie McGoldrick, the raid on the Nazar Hospital. What are you hearing from colleagues on the ground? Well, thanks a lot. What we're hearing is that um, overnight, obviously, the incursion intensified. It's been going, going on now for a couple of days. Um, the generators have stopped working and the power has been cut completely to the hospital, which affects, obviously, ICU um, ventilators, but also the, the oxygen situation as well. We hear reports that three patients died overnight and water and food has run out. We're trying now to try and get fuel in there and we're also trying to get some of the evacuations or the referrals out from there. There's 150 patients in there that are unattended to and we're trying to push for these patients to be referred to other uh, hospitals in the area, Emirati Hospital in particular. Some of these patients are on ventilators and some of them are part of a neonatal uh, response as well. How difficult is, is it to move those patients? Well, it's been difficult and it will be difficult because it's still a, an active area um, in terms of military, but uh, we're trying our best to do that. We'll get fuel in, hopefully, in the next uh, hours or so, but the evacuation will take much longer because there's a big number of them and some of them are needing some specialised support to move. So that will be a challenge. It's a couple of days since you were on the ground there. You were at the hospital. What yeah. did you see? What did you witness? Well, I mean, it's in a very overcrowded hospital. A lot of people have gone in there to try and, um, you know, stay safe. They see his hospital as a safe zone, so it's very overcrowded. It's a bit like you would see in a sort of a, a, a scene where a market scene full of people who live there in the hospital. And while you're in there, the, the doctors and nurses are trying to do their job to fix patients who have been coming through the wounded. But then also the whole set of chronic illness patients who have treatment for, uh, you know, brain cancers and other types of chronic diseases. And the thing is, you've got Got them who are unable to get the material to them because their their the, the material supplies to fix that their illnesses is not available. And secondly, you've got a large number of people who've been affected by trauma, amputees, people who've been shot and wounded. And so you've got a mixed bag of that in a very crowded environment. It's very unsanitary. It's very overcrowded. And because of that, there's a lot of cross infection. There's a lack of supplies. If you look at the the operating theatre, you go inside there. There's not even at that point in time there wasn't even chlorine or disinfectant to clean the blood off the operating tables. And you have stories of young children who are lying there being shot and wounded and paralysed in some cases as well. And they just don't have the rehabilitation, the support for it. It's just not possible. You've seen a lot. Did you see any evidence of Hamas military activity in or around the hospital when you were there last week? I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, for me, it's just a crowded situation of people looking for safety and security. Um, and at the same time, uh, doctors and nurses and volunteers are doing their utmost to try and serve them in very difficult conditions. And now with this military incursion, it makes it all the more difficult, all the more challenging to do that. And hopefully we can get this situation turned around where the patients who need further support get that. And at the same time, we can supply enough material into that Nasser Hospital, which is a key part of our response. It's the biggest hospital in the southern part of Gaza to make sure that we can actually continue to serve patients who are coming in by the day, both uh, of normal chronic illnesses, but also this large number of people who are affected by the conflict with trauma wounds. Nearly 1.5 million people are displaced in Rafa. Can you describe what you encountered when you were there last week? 
every time I go there, and I've been over every week for the last four or five weeks since I came here, and every week you go there, it gets worse. It's more squalid. It's more crowded. And people living in these tents without clean water, food food or sewage systems, and the hospital systems collapse. Disease is running rampant. We've seen the outbreak of hepatitis A and other types of disease, which are a direct result of the overcrowding and the unsanitary con- conditions. Children are taking uh, you know, contaminated water and getting stomach illnesses as well. So all of that is, is causing real problems for us. We don't have the, the, the material support to address the needs of the over one million people who've arrived into Rafa. Rafa was a city that was a population of 250,000. It's now 1.2 million or something around that. And the, 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 the actual conditions themselves, you can't move around easily. Driving a, a car for one kilometre takes you an hour and a half because the streets are so crowded. People have built their tents and their shelters onto the hard surfaces of the roads and the pavements. Well, what do you do if there is an Israeli ground offensive on Rafa? What contingency plans have you in place to help people? Well, you know, to be honest with you, we're actually doing contingency planning right now for the people who are still arriving into this area. And for us to do another contingency plan on top of a contingency plan, it's just, it's just not possible. We have no uh, prepositioned stocks. We have no supplies in, in places where we would use them normally in an emergency. So what we're doing, anything that comes in and what's coming in is, is limited, we use it straight away. And so if people then had to move from where they are, which is in re- really, really terrible circumstances, for them to be shifted somewhere else... Uh, with an uncertainty that's there and us un- unable to provide them with shelter, with uh, blankets, with food, medicine, it's just asking too much. And uh, it's not through fault of ours, but we've got the commitment and the willingness, but we don't have the supplies because of the, there's all very limited material coming in. Israel says it's working on a plan to move people. Uh, you've mentioned it there, but would you be working to facilitate that movement of people or help those people if they have to move? Well, people will move voluntarily because they fear what's coming. And people have already started moving from Rafa to the Almawasi and other areas on the coast. They see that as a safer place rather than the heart of the city, Rafa. Um, the problem is that we don't have the material to, to support them where they are. Um, people will flee uh, uh, voluntarily. They'll go there. We don't have to facilitate them. But we won't facilitate them, but we'll try and, when they get to the other end, try and provide them with the support that we have available, which is very limited. Um, we we assume that many people, if there is a, an incursion into that militarily into there, it will only exacerbate already ridiculous, colossal humanitarian situation we're facing and the people are facing. And uh, to add on to that, to move them to the coast would or move somewhere else, some will go north, maybe back to areas which are now clear and back to places which, which are destroyed and places where you have unexploded ordnance. And so it's a, it's a safety issue as well. So there's so many factors involved in this. You say you've limited support for people, you have a lack of material, aid continues to trickle through Rafa. Have you adequate supplies at this stage to deal with any potential fa- any potential fallout from the attack on the city? No. I mean, the problem is we've got one crossing point, which is Kerem Shalom and Rafa. It's a, a combined cho- uh, point and it's a choke point. Two things have caused it that way. There's demonstrations by the Israeli protesters on one side to prevent trucks coming in. And then on the side where we are on the Gaza side, there's a, a law and order problem. You have young guys, gangs of people coming in there to loot the trucks, to beat up staff and to beat up drivers. And so the, the security situation is taking a downward spiral. So with all of that, the ability for us to get trucks through and get supplies in is limited. And whatever we're getting in is limited by the, the number of trucks 
that pass through, which is probably about 230 trucks a day. We need about 800 to 1,000 trucks a day to address this issue. And the private sector have to help us, but they're not coming in. And we have to get the ability to get more trucks of our own humanitarian assistance in. And that's limited because of the security situation on the ground. Jamie McGoldrick, the UN's coordinator for Palestine. Thanks for joining us this morning.